some steroids. Welcome to Arnie Geddon. I'm Cam Smith. And I'm Tony G. And we're here this time to take on one of Schwarzenegger's biggest, greatest collaborators. Who could that be, Tony? That would be Sven Ole Thorson. Never heard of him. <laughs> we're like most people in a lot of ways. That's right. He's maybe a little under the radar as far as uh, you know the world at large goes. A lot of the movie-going audiences don't know who he necessarily is. But they've seen him a lot. And I think that if you're a big Schwarzenegger fan, the way we are, and the way I'm sure our listeners are, you know who Sven is. Oh, I would have to imagine. I mean, I, I think our listeners have photos of him emblazoned on their shirts right now. While they're tattoos, listening. actually. Tattoos. Where are these tattoos? Uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> on a rippling bicep somewhere. <laughs> and across the whole back. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sven Ole Thorsen, he is, uh, if you've been following us for the last uh, 40 or 50 episodes here, hard to believe it's been that long, isn't it, I know, it's terrifying. (laughs) Time is the fire in which I'm burning. Sven is one of Schwarzenegger's most frequent collaborators. He's in more Arnold Schwarzenegger films than I think anybody. Including Arnold. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, If you count Call the Conqueror, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he's uh, been associated with or in 16 films total, at least according to what we could track down. Total Recall, he was a trainer, so I don't know if you count that. But right. somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 Arnold Schwarzenegger films that he's been involved in. Yeah, he is Arnold's greatest collaborator. Like, no one has worked with Arnold more than Sven. Yeah, he usually gets killed unceremoniously in in these films. But... What would you say the average length of his screen appearances is? Oh my god, probably like four seconds. Yeah, it's very brief. <laughs> What's weird though is that it starts, you know, with quite a bit of screen time and then just gets less and less and less to the point where you get to like collateral damage where it's like maybe a half a second. Yeah, so what do you think his best known roles are? I'd say probably Sven from the Running Man in, ter- yeah. in terms of Schwarzenegger roles. And Conan, right? And Conan playing Thorgrim. And then outside of Schwarzenegger movies... Maybe LaFour's from Mallrats, the security guard. I think that's guard. it, yeah. Or possibly, um, what was his name? The Gaul, the, the champion gladiator from Gladiator. Yeah, Tigris, yeah. yeah. Which actually, I think, won him a couple stunt awards. That's that right, it did, yeah. So, you know, we'll get to those in due time, but maybe a bit of background on uh, Sven. Uh, he's six foot five, and he's from Denmark. What a puny guy, hey? <laughs> Born September of 1944. And um, he was a powerlifter, bodybuilder, and martial artist. Uh, a fifth-degree black belt in Shotokan Karate. Yep. I mean, that's a lightweight, if ever I've heard. <laughs> yeah, this guy, you, you read his bio, and you can, I mean, first of all, you can see why he was cast in these goon roles. Oh, yeah. And these second, usually these secondary villain roles, the heavies. Yeah. Uh, because he is basically born to play heavies. Totally. And he'd been doing all that stuff since the early 70s. And he opened a gym called the Sporting Health Club in 1972 in Denmark. It was quite successful. 1978 rolls around. Arnie is on the promotional rounds for Pumping Iron, which was a big deal for Arnie, getting his name out there and making him kind of known in pop culture. And uh, a local cinema approached Thorson 
and want to see if they would collaborate in basically paying for Arnie to come to the Copenhagen premiere and make it a big event for in Denmark. That's right. And I think Sven learned a little something about trusting small cinema owners. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the cinema pulled out and were like, nah, too expensive. But Sven was like, this is a good idea. So he ended up financing it himself through the gym. Arnie came over. They hit it off. And that really helped introduce bodybuilding to Denmark, which at this point is what it's most well known for. <laughs> that and aquavit <laughs> but and also the danish <laughs> and pickled fish sure <laughs> anyways so the way it worked was there was a competition a few years later in uh in long beach california and sven went to visit and he called upon arnie to you know hang out again because they'd gotten along so well in copenhagen and uh arnie was saying hey i gotta go have a meeting with john milius um i want to do a movie called conan why don't you come along and I guess uh, Sven, the charismatic dynamo that he is, won over um, um, John Milius, who basically brought him into the movie, wrote a part for him, and also recruited him to bring in 10 other big dudes, basically, to play heavies and, you know, extras throughout Conan. And these guys became known as the animals. <laughs> they were all from yeah. the bodybuilding and weightlifting world. Well, it wasn't just 10. It was actually 30. There was, was it? Yes, it was, I think, 10 Danish... Uh, animals, right. ten yeah. American animals, and ten Spanish. You, you can just imagine what this this set was probably like. Just insane. Can you imagine <laughs> the amount of cod that was consumed on set? Like <laughs> Sven said, like they'd be you know shooting on you know uh, you know bits and pieces here and there. But when they weren't shooting, they were basically just like laying around eating like luxurious food. And Sven said he realized at that point that Hollywood life was where it was at. And this is in Spain, so it's really beautiful there. It was just like living in the lap of luxury. Yeah, apparently what sealed the deal with Milius was uh, he actually was asked to come up with a, a good barbarian name. And he came up with the name Thorgrim. So that's his story anyways from yeah. the interviews that I've read. Uh, I suspect that probably 6'5", 300 and something pounds black belt in karate probably had more to do with him getting the role than uh, Thorgrim. I would have to imagine so. Apparently the hammer that he wielded in that movie weighed 55 pounds. Yeah, I've read that. And even for a big guy like that, that's a big thing to... Uh, to carry around. Apparently it sucked him off the horse a couple times. Can you imagine a movie shot nowadays where they're asking an actor to carry a 55-pound hammer? Wasn't Thor's hammer? Uh... It's like rubber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's just absolutely insane. And Sven actually had that hammer for a long time in his possession. But uh, ultimately, uh, John Milius got sick and he gave it to him as a get-well gift. <laughs> Yeah, what I read is that last time Sven checked, according to some interview that uh, he gave a couple years ago, Milius was using it as a doorstop. <laughs> That's amazing. I would love that as a doorstop. <laughs> Wouldn't that be phenomenal? <laughs> yeah, although I'd never be able to lift it, so... <laughs> <laughs> we should say that Sven was no bodybuilder come lately, either. He was a serious deal. He was... Uh, Denmark's strongest man in 1983 and had been bodybuilding for some time. Yeah, so that's the year after Conan, yeah. Yeah, and he also uh, apparently at one point had the world bench press record at 242.5 kilos. And for our uh, American or I guess <laughs> British listeners out there, sure. wherever you're not using the metric, I mean, first of all, get with the program. Right. Uh, and second <laughs> of all, that's like 500 and... Five, 504 pounds around there? Yeah. 
That is insane. Is I don't know. That's what I typically do. Is yeah. That, is that a big deal? With one arm, right, Cam? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. How that's many, a warm-up for the actual workout. How many reps? 10, 15? <laughs> I don't even know. I lose, I lose track counting at a certain point. Yeah. Anyways, 500 pounds, 242 kilos. That's nuts. Oh, that's insane. Like, you can see that this guy was definitely a special case. And for a guy who's also nimble enough to get a fifth degree black belt in <laughs> Shotokan karate, yeah. like, you do not want this guy breaking into your house. No, no, you do not. So let's talk about his performance in Conan the Barbarian, because that really is the one that puts him on, you know, out there for the world to see. He has a pretty sizable role in Conan the Barbarian. Playing kind of the secondary heavy. Yeah, wielding, as we said, that giant hammer. You know, you saw Conan when you were quite young. Did his character leave an impression on you? Uh, it did. It was a big hammer-shaped impression. <laughs> <laughs> right in the middle of my chest. <laughs> I saw the live show. <laughs> You've never been the same since. Well, I, well, I actually think that Thorgrim's a pretty iconic character like he's one of the maybe this is a bias because we're arnie geddon and we would like schwarzenegger movies sure but when you think of like the really bad heavies right sure. the, the big bads yeah you got joker hannibal lecter and thorgrim <laughs> <laughs> well those those guys aren't heavies though right right can you think of more iconic heavies uh jaws from the james bond movies yeah a, well, a job well that's no, those are great examples sure yeah I don't know if I'd put Thorgrim up at the same level as sure. Jaws, but he I think he's up along that same caliber. Well, is he better than any other, um, like, Arnie heavy? Like, are there ones that are better in the Arnie canon? I'm just kind of going down. Michael Ironside is pretty amazing in Total Recall. Um, but I feel like Arnie tended to get just kind of, like, tough guys. There weren't a lot that were, like, really charismatic or really stood out as a visual the way that uh, Sven does. Well, I don't know. You compare him to someone like Paul Smith sure. uh, from Red Sonia, who <laughs> was basically just walking around carrying a giant bone for no reason. Wasn't he a good guy, though? Because he, he was the protector of the kid. I guess he was. Uh... Wilt Chamberlain and Destroyer is a pretty iconic, too. But also, I think that uh, Sven really gets the edge because the movie is so much better remembered than Destroyer. Like, Barbarian is considered the good one, as opposed to, you know, Destroyer. That's right. There's maybe an argument to be made uh, for Pat Roach in Red Sonia and Destroyer, but I mean, when, when you compare the Pat Roach side by side with Sven Oli Thorson, yeah, it's no contest really. Sure. And and you look at also the careers. I mean, Pat Roach is a good example of a guy who played some of the great heavies, like he played the the slave driver in Temple of Doom. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, the flying wing like dude that has the fist fight with Harrison Ford in Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but you put that next to uh, Sven Oli Thorsen. He's got, what, 130, 140 credits to his name. Yeah. And he's playing a lot of memorable heavies. Yeah, and when I watch him in Conan, he's such a physically imposing presence. But he also just, I mean, look, the character doesn't talk in the movie. He originally had one line in the movie. He was supposed to say to uh, James Earl Jones, But Master, they didn't harm you at all. But he couldn't do it. Like, he was not confident in his acting at that point. And he just, I guess, kind of bungled it. So they ended up cutting that whole moment out. But I think it works for the character because he is that strong, silent heavy who just goes through the movie wielding a giant hammer. I just want to take a little bit of a tangent there. It is kind of interesting, isn't it, that um, 
Sven also had the same kind of maybe language difficulties that Arnold did in Hollywood. Yeah. Because he's, uh, he's a real polyglot. He speaks like four or five languages as well. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like, because we'll talk about some movies later on where he does have a lot more dialogue. It doesn't seem like he ever cracked the English language pronunciations as well as Arnold did. Like, you'd see that he struggled more so. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and which probably did hold him back from maybe taking larger roles that did offer more in terms of dialogue. Yeah, for sure. I think he's probably better as the strong, the extremely strong, extremely silent type. Yeah. And his death in Conan is iconic with the spike thing swinging around and catching him in the gut. Yeah, it's amazing. It's And just to see it come off of that moment where he triggers it by smashing the hammer down on the helmet, incredible. Yeah, and what we will say is, or what I'll say anyways, and you can agree yeah, or disagree. Yeah, don't speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Cam and I'm stupid. <laughs> That's like the types of gags that Arnie and Sven play on each other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I will say is, you know, you can say what you will about Sven's um, acting ability or his language ability, but it's hard to argue with his ability as a physical performer because yeah. that's really what he brings is not only the size to these roles, but also, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a genuine bona fide stuntman and he makes things look really good on screen. Totally. And I think in a lot of the movies that we're going to go through where Arnold you know, these iconic Arnold movies where Arnold just looks badass and tough. Uh, these guys have kind of a thankless job in a lot of ways uh, where uh, in order for your star to look badass and tough, you got to have somebody eating it on the other end of the broadsword or machine gun. Yeah. And there is like a certain it factor that Sven brings too, because, you know, as you said, like he stands out maybe more than like a Pat Roach. There's something about Sven on camera that he just kind of pops. He's a very memorable looking guy. Mm -hmm. And it's not just because of the stature. Like, just his face alone has a lot of personality that you can see why he's popped up so much in so many different projects over the years. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why we do our spot Sven bit. Is Totally. He's a fun guy to spot. He's like the Where's Waldo of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah. Uh, his face and his stature is basically a, a Where's Waldo skull cap and red and white striped shirt. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, going off of Conan the Barbarian, he comes back and does Conan the Destroyer with Arnold. Uh, they, uh, the director, Richard Fleischer, did not want yeah, him initially. Yeah, did not want him. Because he'd been, obviously, so memorable in Conan the Barbarian. But nothing that a big, giant <laughs> mask won't fix. <laughs> yeah, and, like, uh, he had a beard at this point, too. So, you know, he ends up doing it. Oh, well, he still did better than Pat Roach, who got stuffed into a gorilla suit for this one. <laughs> That's true. What did you think of his performance in Destroyer? Like, was it as memorable to you? Does it jump out? Not even, not nearly as memorable. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's probably because Conan the Barbarian's uh, a way better movie. Yeah. He talks about doing this scene with Arnold. It's a big sword fight. And Sven refers to this as the, <laughs> among the most respected sword fights in the history of movie making. <laughs> who are we to doubt you Sven <laughs> yeah who are we to argue with Sven I'm like okay well I can... and, and honestly who are we I mean yeah if uh if we're sitting down at like a in a bar with Sven Oli Thorson and he declares that uh one of his sword fights is the most memorable of all time are you going respected to... respected Tony sorry the one of the most respected of all time I mean are you gonna say like you know Sven stand up let's let's take this outside that's right <laughs> 
<laughs> no way. I don't think so. I'm like, I agree 100%. Yeah. I've never even heard of another sword fight in the movies. Yeah, can I buy you another round, Sven? Yeah. But apparently him and Arnie just like hacked each other's fingers to shreds with these plastic swords. Yeah, that's, uh, I heard the same thing. Apparently they were pretty bruised and cut up by the end of it. <laughs> and then, of course, he comes back for Red Sonya. Again, just kind of stunt work. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, it's funny. Going over Sven's career now, we kind of see the... <laughs> it's hard not to reflect on the declining quality of Schwarzenegger's barbarian movies. <laughs> it's interesting, too, this same year as Red Sonja, he goes and does uh, Raw Deal, um, which features his first real stunt performance. Where he shows up in the final gunfight in uh, the big, like, the bad guy's office. Yeah. And he gets shot a bunch of times and, like, falls forward and, like, slams himself down onto a bar and tears the whole thing down with him. Yeah. And it was really funny reading about this because he said that, like, the whole gist of the scene is he has to get shot and fall forward. But in his mind, when you get shot, you fall backwards. And so it took, like, seven or eight takes for him to even kind of wrap his head around how this whole staging would happen because he wasn't a trained stuntman this was like learn on the job experience right and this was the job this was the job that got him into the kind of the world of being a stuntman yeah which is good i mean you gotta figure he comes by it naturally enough like he's probably used to uh taking kicks and punches and bruises at this point from uh you know lesser fourth degree black belts (laughs) (laughs) so he's probably used to used to getting banged up a little bit and it's around this time also he goes to visit the commando set where schwarzenegger of course is working and sven wins over joel silver the producer with his size <laughs> joel silver who was quoted as being like holy smokes what he, he didn't actually say that i'm just quoting him as that picked up joel silver and put him inside a suitcase and shook it until <laughs> put him in his pocket until he got a job <laughs> and so yeah joel silver offered him 20k as a stuntman and also hired him to train Arnold. And this is a relationship that would continue onwards of Sven running Arnold's gym and also being a stuntman on in various films that we're going to kind of get to now. I think we're going to hop around a little more now and just touch on his credits. But this is an interesting period. He is, again, overseeing the training of Arnold to a certain degree. But, you know, Sven has said that as he started doing this and setting up this mobile gym in all these different locations, a lot of the actors would want to come work out there too. Yeah. And this really started on Predator, and Sven would charge him a bottle of Dom Perignon. And so then at this point forward, he would just have endless bottles of Dom Perignon in his office. (laughs) Which, it's kind of interesting. I mean, that's one thing that uh, was a little bit hard to find too much information on, was the the actual real relationship between Sven and Arnold. uh, The professional relationship and the personal relationship. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we got a little bit, but... You got to wonder here. So Sven has realized that, oh, geez, I can get 20 cages for showing up and falling into a table. Yeah. Uh, that's good gig if you can get it. Totally. And meanwhile, you got to picture him. He's kind of like the 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 workout roadie yeah. at this point, right? So he's, uh, you know, instead of guitar, Schwarzenegger has muscles. And so he's there kind of literally... Setting these gyms up, bolting them to the floor, putting the plates on, I guess, and and then helping Schwarzenegger train. Totally, yeah. He's the guy behind the scenes, man. Yeah. And it's interesting, you look at his year of 1987, this is when he's really kind of crossed into Hollywood. It's a pretty insane lineup of movies. All four, he does four movies that year, but all four of them have become, like, favorites. Like, they're mm-hmm. all rewatched classics. 
You know, he starts out with Lethal Weapon. He doesn't have a big role, but you can see him as a mercenary. He, he never has a big role, or rarely. He, true. But he's in the background of the scene where they capture um, Martin Riggs in the desert, and Gary Busey is front and center, and he's off to, I believe, the right of Gary Busey. And so you see him there. Yeah, I actually watched uh, Lethal Weapon quite recently. I mean, we're recording this in January of 2020. Yeah. Lethal Weapon is one of my favorite uh, Christmas movies. I know sure. everyone, everyone else prefers Die Hard. I'm more of a Lethal Weapon man myself. Right. Uh, and yeah, I was watching it and lo and behold, I was like, hey, <laughs> that spot's been, <laughs> there he is. So he follows Lethal Weapon up with Predator, which he has the famous scene as the Russian mercenary or the Russian general, I guess. Best known as Knock Knock. Yes, Knock Knock, blow him away. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, indicative of how long Sven is going to be on screen generally from here on out. And he said this scene, the way it worked was, he had seven guys with a rope attached to him and they had it kind of tied around a wheel to yank him. And so he had no idea what was really going to happen. And it was just like seven massive guys hauling him out the back of the wall of this yeah, if set. You, if you watch that scene, he just flies through the wall. Yeah. He says he was completely spooked when it happened. Like, the surprise on his face was completely real. Yeah, although he also has that other scene in Predator where he executes the POW. Yeah, that's true. Um, but he's just a little smaller in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's seen from the distance. So then, like, he keeps going with Arnie he does the running man which that is an incredibly iconic performance yeah I totally agree I mean this is where you start thinking hey man maybe this guy could do bigger roles yeah I totally. mean I mean you look at Thorgrim I mean didn't say anything uh and you look at Sven and the running man you think you know what this guy could have bigger parts as heavies in these movies yeah what did you think of the character he plays in running man Oh, he's great. You know, it's so rare in these 1980s uh, action flicks to have a heavy who's not a heavy to the bone. Yeah. And so for him to step aside and let Schwarzenegger uh, go after Killian mm -hmm. uh, was was great. Oh, yeah, that's an amazing. And, like, you know, Killian makes the, the comment to him about he's deaf because of the steroids or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then we get the payoff of uh, Sven saying, I got to go uh, score steroids. Yeah. And it's just, like, perfect. Leaves Killian to be shot into that, <laughs> into that <laughs> wall. But I think it's really interesting because when you look at a lot of the heavies in movies at this point, they're using Richard Keel. I referenced Jaws from the James Bond movies earlier. Yeah. They're also using the other guy whose name I'm completely blanking on, but he plays... Um, the big kind of silent heavy in Superman 2 as well. And, um, you know, these two guys are kind of being recycled a lot. You're seeing them pop up a lot as heavies in movies. And Sven feels like kind of the new breed of the iconic ones coming in as these sort of supporting characters that anyone, you know, who's an action fan points to and goes, hey, that guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I love him in Running Man. He closes out his uh, run that decade with a brief appearance in the movie Overboard with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. I've seen it once. It's not a movie I remember particularly well, but it was like a staple on TBS. And for like <laughs> a specific demographic, that movie is a complete classic. I think it's a, still a pretty well-regarded comedy. It is, yeah. They remade it recently and a lot of people were angry that they were remaking it. So that tells me that people still care about the original Overboard quite a bit. <laughs> so why don't we kind of go into the, the rest of the 80s? Does anything pop out to you? Well, I mean, we talked about it when we were doing our our twins episode. I mean, there's so many bad guys and twins; it was hard to hard to find them. But he's there as one of the one of the mobsters that's chasing 
Schwarzenegger and DeVito around. Yep. Yeah, I really enjoyed when he popped up there. I would have liked if he'd had a bit of a bigger role, though. Yeah, he was in Red Heat as well, but uh, if I'm being honest, I don't really remember seeing him. Uh, I do. It's actually, I mean, it's a scene that is kind of memorable, but you don't... I don't know that he pops the same way he does in, like, Running Man or Conan. It's at the the start, he's in that, like, is it, like, Siberia? In, like, the spa, where it's all the heavy, like, heavy, like, weightlifting people. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He throws a guy through a spa door and yes, fight, then... fight someone in the snow. Yeah, Arnold and him fight in the snow. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's coming back to me. Actually, now that you mention it, um, that was a great scene. It is a great scene, but I feel like he doesn't have the personality in that scene that he does in some of the other movies we've talked about. Like, it, it doesn't kind of come across as much. But it is a really, like, primal, vicious fight. Yeah, it also shows off uh, Sven's physique because they are fighting in, uh, you know, spa towels. Yeah. Um, but what we talked a little bit about on our Red Heat episode <laughs> was um, Walter Hill, who's a fantastic director. I don't know what kind of happened on Red Heat, but it's not his best movie. And, and his, the direction in that film is not the best. No, it's a weird movie uh, for sure. <laughs> And, you know, you got Jim Belushi in there. It's, uh, you know, it's one that, like, I hated it when I saw it back in the day. And when we rewatched it, I liked it a little more yeah. because of its 80s weirdness. Yeah. Um, whereas when I saw it the first time, I was still in the 80s, maybe the early 90s, and just not that appreciating of the decade yet. Um, but now I'm like, eh, it's it's okay. It's sort of interesting. Um, the other two credits he's kind of got near the end of the decade, um, Ghostbusters 2, he does some stunts in. I'd be very curious to know what scene that is or who he's doubling. Yeah, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Um, but he also does the movie Pink Cadillac with Clint Eastwood. Now, that is like a forgotten Clint Eastwood movie. It's really terrible. I saw it in a hotel when I was a kid when my family drove to Disneyland. <laughs> I think I saw it ages ago. I, I, I couldn't tell you what it's about. I'm sure it's about a... A car that is colored a blend of white and red. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe not as strong a close to the uh, to the 80s as the close of 1987. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still pretty memorable. But he kind of kicks into the 90s uh, with some bigger roles and some very important movies. Like, not just Schwarzenegger movies, not just heavies. Yeah. Um, he seems to be kind of going off on his own in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, he opens it up with... Uh, the hunt for Red October as the uh, Russian captain. Yeah, and that movie is obviously very iconic, very loved. The first of the Jack Ryan movies. Well, I think that role is also yeah. kind of iconic. Yeah. Uh, it, it was actually funny. I, I'd forgotten he was in the hunt for Red October, but when I was going through his filmography preparing for this podcast, as, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, yeah. like, um, And you can just picture him in your mind. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a movie I would love to rewatch. I wish I had rewatched it for this episode, but I saw it so many years ago, and I loved it then. But I really need to rewatch it again. Yeah, and then you know, this year I guess he's busy with Hunt for Red October. Um, he does some training work for Total Recall, but that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. And then he starts moving into some starring vehicles, yeah. or, or at least bigger roles. And I gotta say, it's. <laughs> It's it's unfortunate that he didn't have uh, a better choice of of starring roles because uh, his biggest role to date it's Abraxas 
Guardian of the Universe. Now, I watched this fairly recently, and I know that you watched it to prepare for this podcast. I watched Cam. it last night, yes. <laughs> yeah. And what did, what did you think of it? Okay. <laughs> it's a Canadian production. For those of you who don't know, yeah. we, we've, been th- we've been talking about maybe doing it on this podcast as one of our spin-off movie episodes. I don't think we're going to. Right. Uh, the reason we were going to is because it stars Sven Oli Thorson and uh, Jesse Ventura, mm-hmm. uh, who are both frequent Schwarzenegger collaborators. Yep. And it's the kind of thing we thought, well, you know, this movie would not have happened but for uh, Schwarzenegger and these guys working together. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... Well, it's terrible, <laughs> but it's a bad movie that I was totally engaged with. Like it never, you know, we've watched some terrible ones like see Arnold run or something where you're just bored out of your mind. Well, I feel like I should flip it because this is normally my part in the podcast, but Cam, what's Abraxas about? Well, it's basically a Terminator ripoff. Um, Which is a bad year to do a Terminator ripoff, incidentally. Yeah, going up against Terminator 2 Judgment Day. But, um, yeah, so it's about these, like, intergalactic finders. And one of them goes rogue, which is the Sven Oli Thorson character. And he goes to Earth, and he's pursued by Jesse Ventura. And Sven impregnates this blonde woman with his hand. And it's like he touches her belly, and she's pregnant instantly and gives birth, like, two minutes later. And the child is um, basically John Connor. <laughs> he, he has some sort of abilities, which I've got a note here. He has the anti-life equation. I don't know what that means. Uh, he's also the culminator. I also don't know what that means. But um, ultimately what happens is, you know, we flash forward and uh, <laughs> Sven comes back to hunt the kid down to get the anti-life equation Jesse Ventura comes back and has to protect the kid and the mom. Which spins into, by the way, one of probably the least convincing romances ever put to screen. (laughs) Well, I was baffled too, because Jim Belushi shows up as a cameo as like the school principal that uh, the mother goes to to talk to about the kid. And I was like really baffled because I couldn't figure out why Jim Belushi was in this movie. Because he's got a pretty good year. He's like doing, you know, starring vehicles. Like, why is he in this movie? And then I realized, you know, after doing a little bit of research, that Marjorie Bransfield, the lead in the movie, um, was his wife at the time. Oh, okay. And that, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they broke up a couple years later or something. Over but, a Braxis. <laughs> but at the time, he did this as a favor. But you know, this movie, it is a Terminator ripoff. Uh, say like cyborg for example yeah but i found this one much more watchable because it was so goofy and because characters were talking in gibberish almost the entire movie yeah it's one of those movies that's like a c grade maybe a c plus oh. <laughs> uh, oh come on it's it's definitely like a a low to middling budget uh early 90s late 80s sci-fi and they were cranking these out uh a lot of them had the same kind of plot right which yeah. uh they're either aliens or time travelers which have to come to earth and engage in a bit of fish out of water yeah forced comedy and also hunt each other down so i think like i think of like i come in peace was released about this time yep um you look at like time cop the one was a little bit later like all all those types of genres right oh totally yeah and i mean it's totally entertaining because first off it's 90 minutes or less so that helps and uh it It does help a lot it does have a good pace and it has a lot of really (laughs) unintentionally funny moments because like jesse ventura's walking around this movie (laughs) with like a rat tail and it's just his relationship with the kid which is 
in many ways supposed to kind of evoke the relationship we would see that same year with John Connor and the Terminator. Um, but it's done so weird. Like, it comes across just so goofy. Well, Jesse Ventura is... I don't know what kind of direction he was getting on his acting, but... <laughs> it's bad. He, he, he comes across as a very stilted and awkward character in this movie, which is weird because he's <laughs> so over-the-top and, and charismatic in movies like Predator uh, and The Running Man. And all the romantic chemistry between him and the female lead is brutal. <laughs> like, it's uncomfortable to watch. Anyways, uh, long story, medium length, I guess. This sure. is Sven's first crack at a starring role. Yeah. And, it, and it's unfortunate that it wasn't in maybe a little bit of a bigger budgeted, better directed picture. I mean, it kind of stands alone. I don't think people have forgotten about Abraxas the way they've forgotten about some other... Uh, crap sci-fi at this time. I mean, it is legitimately fun to see Sven going around being just this formidable Terminator-like character. You know, there's a scene where he's in, like, a diner, for example, and he orders, like, everything on the breakfast menu, mm-hmm. and he eats everything, and then the, the waitresses are all nervous because they know this guy is uh, wanted. And they're like, okay, well, you know, now what? Go give him his bill. And this waitress goes over and gives him the bill, and he's like, what is this? She says, it's the bill. Uh, we give it them to everyone. And then he eats it. <laughs> and I enjoyed moments like that. I enjoyed also some of the action beats where he's fighting with Jesse Ventura. It's just fun to see these two, you know, legends of 80s cinema just like wrestling around on the ground. Yeah. And what I will say, too, is he's also a lot more understandable in this movie. Like, he's, yeah. he's clearly done uh, a lot of more work with a voice coach and... He, he doesn't have the Thorgrim issue that he did a few years earlier. Yeah, and I mean, his character is Secundus, pretty funny name. Um, but, you know, he's he plays it very straight, the way that Arnold did with the original Terminator. He doesn't have the Arnold charisma, obviously, and also this production is not <laughs> a James Cameron production. But it is fun to see him doing this movie, and I wish he'd done more starring vehicles. You know, it's kind of a bummer because... You know, I guess we should say the only other starring vehicle he really had at this point was a few years before this, in 1987, he's, um, uh, you know, a, a supporting character on Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future TV series. Which is like a really short-lived, I think it was one season. It was 22 like, episodes. It was a Canadian-American production. And we actually just, we watched the... Uh, the pilot in in preparation of this episode uh, i i mean i remember loving it as a kid yeah but um it's barely a kid's show like it's, it's very weird. it's very dark it's very grim uh he plays a good guy in that one for once tank yeah the uh the heavy weapons expert yeah and i mean you can tell that he's struggling with english there and is definitely better in abraxas but i, I will say for captain power like this show is crazy. I mean, I can't imagine this a show like this coming out now. And I remember in the 80s seeing the commercials for these. It was like the action figures had vehicles that would shoot invisible beams at the screen so you could interact with the actual show in theory. In theory. In theory. Apparently the toys didn't really work. I had a friend that had one and he couldn't get it to work. So, <laughs> he but maybe, maybe he was just a bad shot. <laughs> maybe. And also the show had a lot of weird like kind of like Nazi-ish type themes. Um, it was very dark and violent. And yeah, the plot of the show was, you know, 99% of humanity has been wiped out and killed yeah. by uh, basically a robot or a cyborg uprising. And you watch it, you can see Terminator and Star Wars influences 
all over the place. Yeah, it's very easy to find online. So uh, if you've never seen or heard of Captain Power, uh, I strongly recommend uh, at least opening it up and watching. Just watch the, the pilot. It's 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and it's uh, it's very interesting. You'll be fascinated by it. And like, <laughs> it was this short-lived craze that, yeah, just parents group shot it down and kind of vanished and became this kind of footnote in the 80s. But for me, like I do remember really responding to at least the marketing and uh, there was a CG character on the show named Sauron, who was this flying kind of bird man that I was obsessed with for whatever, 12 months or 9 months. Yeah, it's, it's possibly the biggest offender in both the uh, shows for kids that are too violent category yeah. and shows that are created pretty exclusively to sell toys. Totally. And you can see, though, how this show would influence like Power Rangers a oh, handful totally. of years later, a decade later. But, you know, what do you think of Sven's performance in Captain Power versus Abraxas? Like, do you see growth? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future was uh, was a vehicle for bad 1980s CG. Yeah. So he's actually not in it that much. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of lasers in this show. A lot. <laughs> it's like you will have a seizure watching the, the laser battles that so take up the last you so know. So there's not a ton minutes. of actual acting yeah. that, that's going on. It's more the five main characters. I think it's five, could be six. Uh could have been twelve. They kind of start off their show and they're all in their their room, uh their future room, which is obviously a set. That looks like the Millennium Falcon. Some mission comes up, they all say something, they all have very predetermined <laughs> roles like you're the yeah. scout i think their names are like scout and pilot yeah and gunner and stuff like that yeah uh and then they go and they do a mission which is just like late 80s cg everywhere <laughs> it's true or is it cg or it could be animation too uh, i think it might be a blend but it's definitely computer animation going on with like sauron for sure like it yeah. looks like that kind of tron style animation kind of rebootish. yeah yeah i mean maybe it influenced reboot to a certain degree too you know? i mean that was another canadian production it as was well, yeah right? so yeah, over here in canada we were uh, really embracing cg animation for kids that was <laughs> A little strange. <laughs> but yeah, so, but you know. Maybe we've said enough about the <laughs> Captain Power and Abraxas. Because the same year that uh, Sven does Abraxas, he also does a much smaller role in Terminator 2. Which uh, I think we can probably agree is a slightly worse movie than Abraxas. I think so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's safe. He also does Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Which is can, a... can you say Marlboro again? <laughs> Marlboro is a word I cannot say properly. You clearly have never been a smoker. No, I haven't. But um, he does this movie as well. And I saw it years ago. I have no memories of it. I know Don Johnson and Mickey Rourke in it. That's about all I can tell you. Yeah, and I, I should just add, I want to make it totally clear. Uh, sometimes our deadpan jokes here uh, are lost on our listeners. Neither one of us thinks Abraxas is a better movie than Terminator 2. <laughs> don't speak for me, Tony. <laughs> oh, I don't. <laughs> so then we kind of seg forward, and you just see a lot of things pop up where he has even just like stunt performances in movies like Death Becomes Her, which was a kind of a notable Robert Zemeckis movie at the time. Also, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola film. Shows uh, up again in another Lethal Weapon movie. Lethal Weapon 3, playing one of the villain Travis Danes, um, you know, thugs, briefly. Were you a fan of Lethal Weapon 3? Because you were such a fan of Lethal Weapon uh, 1. I like it. I don't think it's as good as the first two. Yeah. That was, I think, the first R-rated movie I ever saw was Lethal Weapon 3. Yeah? Yeah. My parents rented it, 
and they, I guess, decided that I was at that age. At this point, I would have been about 11 and maybe 12, and they just decided I was allowed to watch R-rated movies, but only specific ones that they watched in advance, and they decided Lethal Weapon 3 was a green light. Oh, well, good. So that movie, even if it's not the best Lethal Weapon, it's the one that maybe holds the, you know, the, the warmest spot in my heart. Yeah, and he, and he goes on, and he's doing kind of more of the same, more of these big... Uh, bit part heavies yeah and stunt work so he does a a whole bunch throughout the 90s he does i mean he has got uh six movies total in 93 alone works again with arnold and last action hero and then he has a little bit of a bigger role at the end of 93 in i think it was the end of 93 i could be wrong uh in hard target but he was uh interestingly enough when you look at how he developed from his early roles uh into Captain Power and uh, Abraxas, he was dubbed for Hard Target. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and this is John Woo's um, first movie in America, and it's a really cool movie. It was edited somewhat against John Woo's wishes. He's yeah. always kind of had an iffy relationship with it, but even at the time when I saw it in 93, I thought it was really great, like one of the better Van Damme movies. It's one of my favorite Van Damme movies for sure. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about it one day down the road. One day. <laughs> <laughs> but I love his outfit in Hard Target, especially in his death scene scene. Like, it's just such a weird, garish outfit. Yeah, absolutely. Another movie, though, that's notable this uh, this year is Dragon the Bruce Lee Story, which I don't think anyone remembers as being particularly great. But um, it was a movie that he did that he said was the the scariest stunt he ever took part in, which was basically he played this, like, kind of night dis- nightmare type thing yeah it was like this that was haunting bruce lee yeah he's called the demon he wears this kind of mystical kind of armor and everything but there was a scene where he had to come up on a lift and it was very smoky it's like him emerging from the smoke and in this outfit and he had to come up this uh, 12 foot lift with an oxygen mask on because the smoke was so strong that you know he couldn't breathe so he came up, he did the take, it went pretty well. The director decided, you know what, I want to do another take of this. So he's standing on the lift, ready to get lowered down, and he's got the oxygen mask on, and then the lift broke and just dropped him 12 feet. And he broke both his knees, Jeez. and the mask fell off too, and he couldn't breathe, so he was choking on the smoke. And he said basically he was yelling and screaming, and then he fainted, and he came to, and, they were, and he heard them saying, well, good thing he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sucks. You, hopefully... Uh... Hopefully they upgraded the safety on that set after that. Yeah. But yeah, and then he continues down the 90s. He does the Seagal movie on Deadly Ground, which is notable because he gets beaten with like a tusk or a bone or something. (laughs) It's pretty (laughs) funny. That Seagal movie, uh, what I will say, I think it's, it might be Seagal's only directorial. I think so. I mean, maybe he's done some in the, since the days he's gone into like straight to video stuff that I haven't really paid attention to. But in terms of theatrical, yeah, this was Seagal's only directorial film. And it is... It's got to be one of the worst movies ever made. Really? <laughs> it, it's insane. It, 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 it is, is yeah. a Steven Seagal vanity piece, and it looks like a Steven Seagal vanity piece. There's a bunch of environmental mumbo-jumbo that they pay a little bit of lip service to, but it's got all the worst aspects of Steven Seagal just concentrated into... Directed by Steven Seagal form. Totally. I mean, it's a movie that has some pretty good action, to the best of my memory, but it is a real mess, too. Like, And it has like this really weird environmental speech at the end that, uh, well, it's something. It's very sincere. 
Yeah, it, it's a piece of junk, but it's a very enjoyable piece of junk. Did you see Sven's other credit from 94, A Low Down Dirty Shame, which was a Keenan Ivory Wayans vehicle? No, I never did. I did. I saw it a couple times. I think I watched it on like pay-per-view back in the day. I have no memories, though. I think it was okay. I think Jada Pinkett was in it. But the 95 is kind of a notable year for Sven, because he does a couple things like No Exit and Viking Sagas, which... You know, good work again, acting performances. I don't think you can bl just blow past the Viking Sagas. I haven't seen it, so tell me about it. Uh, it's fantastic. If you're a fan of Viking movies, it is, it's really good. I think it's probably one of the best that was released in the 90s. It doesn't have a ton of budget behind it, and it definitely has some weaknesses. But what it's got going for it is it's uh, incredibly short. It comes in under, a, under an hour and a half. Oh, okay. And it's just what you would want out of a Viking movie. It's got, like, disembowelments and <laughs> sword fights and people being driven into the sea. It's it's really good. It's worth checking out. And Sven's role in that movie is, is fairly significant. He plays a, a legendary warrior who's out to do some warrior stuff. Right, right. I should really check that one out because... Uh, yeah, you should. Yeah, you say under an hour and a half, I'm like... Really? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I would totally watch that. That sounds interesting. Um, he closes out 95 with, again, a trifecta of movies that are really interesting. Yeah, he does. He does, I mean, a little bit of a bit part, but The Quick and the Dead, which was really poorly reviewed at the time. That's the Sam Raimi Western with uh, an unknown Leonardo DiCaprio. An uh, unknown Russell Crowe. An unknown Russell Crowe and a sexless Sharon Stone. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh and he plays one of the gunslingers in that movie. I think in, in more recent years, that movie's looked on a little bit more favorably. I mean, Sam Raimi directed it, and I love Sam Raimi's direction. So, like, I enjoyed this movie even back in the day. It's one I really need to revisit, though. Yeah, and he plays the security guard, LaFours, in the Kevin Smith Mallrats, which people have mixed opinions on. Well, it's become a real cult classic. Yeah. Like, at the time, it was a real box office bomb. But it has grown into a cult classic. Any fan of Kevin Smith generally loves Mallrats. He said often it's the movie people reference the most now as their favorite. So, I mean, it's definitely got a reputation. He actually got this role because of uh, Hard Target. He worked with producer Jim Jacks on that movie. And Jim Jacks said he would get him a job in his next production. And Jim Jacks produced Mallrats. Hmm. And, I mean, Sven gets the, <laughs> the honor of being knocked out by Jason Mewes. In Mallrats. He's really funny. And he Which has... seems kind of unlikely. <laughs> but he has like a straw hat he wears through the whole movie too. Yeah. It's a really funny performance. And he gets to stand next to Michael Rooker and look intimidating. It's a fun movie. Yeah. And then he, he ends 95 off with um, a, a little bit of stunt work allegedly. He wasn't credited for it on uh, Michael Mann's Heat. Mm -hmm. Which I think is regarded as a real crime action classic. Oh yeah. Totally. And, you know, then we kind of seg into 96, and again, you get him showing up as a gangster briefly in Eraser. We talked about that in uh, the Eraser episode. But he does one movie that year that I think is kind of notable, which is Bulletproof, which is a Damon Noyan's um, Adam Sandler film. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I saw it, but I don't remember anything about it. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a big shootout in a motel, and he plays one of the gunmen in that scene. That is a movie, I'm very curious why it never got a little bit more of a resurgence with the explosion in popularity of Adam Sandler in the 90s. It's funny, like, you know, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, 
um, you know, Big Daddy, all these movies, The Waterboy, really blew up for Sandler and have become these quoted movies people still acknowledge. But like Bulletproof, which was a dud when it came out in 96, never really got kind of that second look. And I think it's probably worth looking at again because it's a different Sandler performance than you would see going forward. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, it is kind of forgotten. But I'll, I'll check it out one of these days. Mm-hmm. Or, or recheck it out, I guess. Sure, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, 97, we've got a couple. Well, well you notable... forgot oh. our, our favorite oh. Schwarzenegger movie of all time. Yes. Jingle All the Way. Of course, yeah. He's in there. Uh, although, I, if I remember when we watched Jingle All the Way, uh, we couldn't find him. Yeah. He is credited in there as doing some stunts. I got to believe he was one of the Santas in the Santa Brawl. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm not sure where he was. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then we kind of seg into the next year and you get some stunt performances in like uh, Breakdown, the Kurt Russell film. And we won't go through every movie that Sven has ever been in. Some notable ones in 97, he's back doing stunts on Batman and Robin. And I think it's worth mentioning he has a fairly significant role in Call the Conqueror, which we watched for this yeah. this podcast. He plays like a crazy king. <laughs> yeah, he, he gets dispatched pretty quickly by Kevin Sorbo. And what what I'll say in the in the imaginary battles in my mind, uh, I mean I love Kevin Sorbo, but you put Kevin Sorbo up against Sven Ole Thorsen. Yeah. Um I think King Borna is coming away with the crown still on his head. <laughs> he is memorable in that movie, though. And you can listen to our uh, Call the Conqueror episode for more on that. Anything else jump out at you from this, uh, you know, the last couple of years of the 90s? Yeah, I mean, I really like um, Soldier, the Kurt Russell movie. He does stunts on that one. Yeah. Uh, he did some, I think, stunt work or maybe a small part in the 13th Warrior and of course, he was the illusionary cat burglar projected by <laughs> Gabriel Byrne in uh, End of Days, which we covered on our last episode. Yeah, but it's the year 2000, which brings Sven the role he's the proudest of, which is in the movie Gladiator. And probably the one he's the best known for. Yeah, Conan might be up, might be the one. I don't know. You think so? I mean, uh, by the mainstream, maybe, uh, maybe Gladiator would be the role. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, if you talk to people, you're like, oh, do you know Sven Ole Thorson there? No. Um, I mean, my go-tos would be Mallrats, The Running Man, or... Uh, Conan? Conan or Gladiator. Right, Probably yeah. Gladiator at the top of the list. Yeah, because in this movie he plays uh, Tigris of Gaul, who faces off against Russell Crowe famously in that battle in the arena w- with the Tigers. What a fantastic scene. Yeah, he said, uh, you know, this was shot in Malta. It was 30 pages of storyboards he had to look at. And then uh, four weeks of prep, three weeks to shoot. So, like, this was a pretty intensive sequence. Ridley Scott is known for his attention to detail. And I rewatched this section for this episode, and uh, it is a really impressively staged fight. The only thing that ages it is the CG on the tigers. Yeah, it did look a little shiny. Yeah, and blurry. They blur a lot. Um, it's it's funny, though. Gladiator's a movie, because obviously won Best Picture for that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's one of those movies, I think, that... Uh, a lot of people are revisiting kind of negatively. Yeah, it's not one of the best pictures that you hear bandied about as ultra-deserving from that decade now. Which, I don't know, I mean, I'd like to go back and watch. It's been a couple years since I've seen it, but, I, I mean, last time I saw it and every time I've seen it, I remember thinking, well, man, this is a pretty good movie. I was really middle of the road when I saw it in 2000, um, but... Uh, 
Yeah, I should really revisit it because it definitely has a reputation. It's very iconic. Like there's a lot of moments and scenes and lines of dialogue that have become very, you know, oft repeated or oft mentioned. So, I mean, it's definitely a movie with a reputation and, and a legacy. Yeah, so that's two movies now, I guess, where uh, Sven Ole Thorsen has lost to Russell Crowe. Very true, yes. And he does have an awesome loss in Gladiator with Russell Crowe, like, catching him in the face with that shield. Yeah, and he won a number of awards. I think that this fight is still regarded as maybe one of the better sword fights that we've seen on film to date. Totally. So, um, you know, he continues working through the 2000s. Not a lot of memorable things in, you know, the first couple years. Um, until you get kind of Arnie's collateral damage, of course. He yeah, has he, a brief appearance. He blows up in that, along yeah. with the rest of the movie. <laughs> Very, very brief. Uh, he also has a role in The Sum of All Fears, another Jack Ryan film. Returning back to his Hunt for Red October roots. You know, I can never keep these Jack Ryan films straight in my mind. There's, yeah. there's like, what, like a dozen of them? They're, he's always played by a different actor, and the plots are never really related. I did see some of All Fears. I seem to recall that a nuclear bomb went off in Baltimore? Is that what happened? I don't know. Ben Affleck was in it. Morgan Freeman was in it. So you have a good cast, and this is good company for Sven to be in. Um, and the movie, I think, was a moderate hit, but it never produced a Ben Affleck-driven follow-up. We had to wait a few years until we got Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, I guess. But I'm not a big fan of, like, Jack Ryan movies. I like Hunt for Red October, but, like, it's not a character that's ever grabbed me in any way, shape, or form. Were those Harrison Ford movies, Clear and Present Danger? Was that Jack Ryan as well? Yeah, it was. Patriot Games. Yeah. Yeah. I like Patriot Games okay. Yeah, basically, I just can't keep them straight. No. <laughs> no, they're not the most interesting to me. And it doesn't help that there's now movies called Jack Reacher, oh, which, which yeah. <laughs> confuse me even more. And also, you've got now the Jack Ryan TV show, and they're just launching a Jack Reacher TV show as well, so you're going to get even more confused. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll figure out one of these days. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, <laughs> back to Sven. Yeah. So he, uh, he fi finishes off... Um, Pretty much the 2000s, he, like the 2000s, he's maybe getting a little bit older, yeah, a little bit slower, doesn't like being thrown off of shipping containers maybe as much as he used to. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he's got some fairly significant movies, the Charlie's Angels sequel, mm -hmm. uh, The Rundown. I remember him as the lumberjack who gets hit in the balls in uh, Dodgeball. The... Oh my god, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, he's not in it for very long. Yeah. And he does a few other movies, and then he kind of more or less retires or semi-retires. Yeah, and... like his last sort of major Hollywood picture is the movie Hostage, the Bruce Willis movie in 2005. Where he is not even credited, but in yeah. his uh, film profile listed as Hooded Thug Guarding Hostages. So I watched the clip of his death scene in the movie on YouTube. It's about maybe half a second. So par for the course for Sven. Pretty much, yeah. And I never saw his final credit in 2011, his final film credit, uh, Ronald the Barbarian. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, animated, though, so he's a voice. Yeah, I, I guess a Danish voice. Yeah. Um, and after that, he kind of steps back, I guess, from from TV and film. He 
You, you see him showing up once in a while in documentaries, but I don't know if that really counts. Sure. He did write a book that was very well received. I don't know if it's been translated to English. I haven't read it. Oh, and just for the record, uh, Sven's book is called Strong Man in Hollywood. Yeah, I saw a story on that book. Um, I think it was in 2007, and they said the English version would be coming soon. And I can find no notices of the book being translated to English. So, I don't know. I would actually really like to read that book. Because we've talked about Arnold's autobiography a few times. Yes. Before. And one of the things that we often talk about on this podcast is that Arnold Schwarzenegger sometimes doesn't go into the making of these movies as much as we would like to, or the experience that he had on set. You, you think about some of the lesser-known movies in particular, like the Jane Mansfield story or, yeah. or Cactus Jack, and he either doesn't mention them at all or just says, I was in this movie at this time. Yeah, and I went to his autobiography called Total Recall um, for notes maybe on Sven. He yeah. gets two very, very brief mentions. One where it's just kind of like... I was with a group of friends, and then he lists like five names, Sven included. And the other one is just a brief, brief mention as to how he met him on Conan. Yeah, and apparently Sven's book is much more involved in uh, what it's like to be a heavy in Hollywood. Yeah, like Arnold's feels more positioned to be more of like a study of Arnold Schwarzenegger, how he became the celebrity and the political figure he is. Mm-hmm. Versus Sven, it's very much like a life on sets. Mm-hmm. which I'm really interested in reading about. I would love to get an English translation. So I hopefully get that going. Yeah, if any of you out there uh, happen to have or know where we can get an English translation of Strongman in Hollywood, uh, drop us a note because we weren't able to find it. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting to note too that um, him and Arnold have remained friends all these years. Um, but Sven has said they don't talk as much as they used to because Sven has moved to uh, Spain. He used to live in, uh, you know, in L.A., but that's not the case anymore. But they are still friends and they still keep in contact. So that is a long, long-term friendship. Yeah, I guess in the Venn diagram of uh, Sven interests and Arnold interests, it's probably pretty close to a circle in that I think they both like cigars, yep. weightlifting, beautiful women. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Sven has had a fascinating <laughs> personal life too. Yeah, we won't get into it here. We won't, but we will say like he was in a relationship for a long time with Grace Jones who is an icon herself. And, um, you know, it sounds like it was an interesting time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, oh, to be a bodybuilder in Hollywood in the 80s. Sure, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah, and it was interesting. There was a quote from Sven, too, in an interview I read where um, they asked him, um, you know, what's the most important thing to him in life? And he said, you know, family, my wife, my children, my grandchildren. But I didn't always believe this. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of tell that Sven has maybe mellowed in, you know, over the course of his life and in his older years, just seems like more of a, I mean, maybe he was always just a genial kind of fun guy to be around. He must have been if Arnold got along so well with him, but I think he's just more of like a gentler Sven now. I'd like to think so. <laughs> uh, you know, he's no longer carrying 55 pound hammers and uh, smashing people's heads in. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... When it's all said and done, and someone says to you, Sven Ole Thorsen, what character or role is the one you immediately are going to say, that's my favorite? I gotta go with Running Man. Okay. Uh, I just love that security guard persona. It's hard for, it's such an important role in the movie, 
And it's hard for me to imagine another actor actually pulling it off now that he's done it. Yeah, I would say Running Man as well. Because to me, it's like a real character. He may not have a lot of dialogue, but it's, you know, so much is brought just to like, you know, his facial characteristics, like his acting out of just in silence Mm -hmm. is really effective. The uniform is really memorable. Mm -hmm. He just strikes a very memorable figure in that movie and he gets great moments. Yeah, he's one of the few characters who makes Arnold Schwarzenegger look small in his movies. Totally. But, you know, he's had quite a career and, you know, it's really, I think, appropriate. He kind of came up with Arnold in these, like, gladiator slash, you know, kind of like Viking warrior type movies. Absolutely. Or even before that, but through the bodybuilding scene. Yeah. And then these sword and sandals movies. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then right through Arnold's phase of big 80s guns and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Sven, we've enjoyed the journey. Yeah, we sure have. You know, he's maybe one of the more underrated character actors and stunt guys. Uh, I won't say in Hollywood, but amongst maybe the general movie viewing population. Totally. Okay, so I think that wraps us up on Sven Ole Thorsen, The Life and Times. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, what are we doing next time? Well, we're using Sven as a bit of a jumping off point, given the number of cameos and small parts that Sven has had in various movies throughout his career. We thought we'd take a look at similar cameos and smaller parts that Arnold has had in movies throughout his career. We can't really justify doing an entire episode on Arnie Geddon of, say, Dave or The Rundown. Or like Scavenger Hunt. Yeah, but what we're going to do is take a look at these smaller roles because... Uh, Maybe on their own, they're not very important, but as a collective body, he's done a ton of different cameos, and they're important as far as tracking his overall uh, film career and trajectory. I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I think so too. Okay, you can of course reach us on Twitter at ArnieGeddonPod or email us at ArnieGeddonPod at gmail.com. Please leave any reviews for us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us get launched up the rankings of, you know, whatever service the podcast is on, which does us nothing but favors, and it's free. Yeah, we just we can just keep making those millions. That's right, just like Sven. <laughs> Sven dollars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can find me, uh, Tony G at Arnigan.com. That's Tony like the name, G like the letter. Uh, you can also download us direct from the source, uh, www.arnigan.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Cam V as in Sven without the S, Smith. Okay, so we'll be back with Arnold's Cameos. <laughs>